Luke chapter 12 is where we're going to be at. Luke chapter 12. Give you just a minute to turn there. Luke chapter number 12. I do a lot of chapel services for, for our school and our high school, and when I tell them a Bible passage to turn to, I say, we'll turn to, let's say, Luke chapter 12. At some point, I have to cut them off. The pages, you know, you could hear everybody turning those pages, and eventually, you know, they just haven't found, they don't know where it's at, you know, little first, second graders. I say, okay, 30 seconds more to find it, and we're cutting you off. Uh, you guys are doing pretty good, though, pretty good. Luke 12, we're going to read uh, verse 15. We will look at some other passages other verses in this passage, I should say, but uh, this is the one we're going to primarily focus on. These are Jesus's words. It says, and he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. One more time, take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses possess it. Let's pray, and we'll look at this for a few moments. Lord, we're thankful to look into your word. We thank you that we have your word uh, in our language. May we never take that for granted. May we never take uh, for granted the freedom that we have to open it and uh, publicly declare your truths uh, in this country. We ask for the next few moments that you remove distractions uh, out of our minds and uh, plans that we had for later on this afternoon or next week or What's going on at work? May you remove all those things so we can focus intently on what you have for us this morning. Speak to us through your word and through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago, our lives changed, some more than others. Hurricane Ian, I remember a few weekends ago and seeing the storm out there and the way it starts for me is I don't watch much news. It's not really good for me. And if you're getting grouchy and you're hard to be around, uh, see if you watch the news. And if you watch the news, maybe take a break from it. But I don't watch much news uh, because it, it doesn't do me a lot of good. It gets me angry, gets me upset. So I kind of stay away from it a little bit. And so the way I hear about things is, is chatter. <laughs> It's chatter. It's, it's, you know, fellowshipping on Wednesday night. It's here or there. You know, sometimes Pastor Bill will say something, and, and that's how most of the time uh, Brother Thomas and I, we hear about things. And I remember hearing, oh, there's a storm brewing, and, you know, I may head this way. Eh, may, may, may. You know, and then Sunday night, uh, some of the guys met, and, we, and then we said, ah, you know, it looks like it's going, it looks like it's going not near us at all. Okay, okay. You know, and as the week progressed, oh my goodness, the cone starts narrowing down, coming right towards us. And I remember we kept thinking, oh, it's going to Tampa. It's going to Tampa. It's going to Tampa. And everybody, of, of course, uh, was thinking that. And that's what we were planning on. That's what we were hoping for. And at least that's what I'm saying I was hoping for. And, you know, uh, Pastor Bill, he may be a little bit more spiritual than I. He says, oh, don't pray that it goes somewhere else. I'm kind of like, uh. <laughs> I remember what happened after Irma. <clears throat> and, uh, but God had other plans, of course. And we watched on the radar and on 
I believe it was Tuesday night, if I have my time frame right. If I don't, that's okay. Tuesday night, you know, it started getting closer. And I remember watching when the storm was in full effect. I remember seeing it, and I kept zooming in while I had power and while I still had internet uh, service. I kept zooming in, you know, as close as I could because the storm, we were hoping it just kept going north, north. But then in small increments, you know, it started coming over about this much. And I'm like, oh, no, like right at us. And I said, please, oh, no, please. And that thing, what, nine miles an hour, 10 miles an hour, slow going. And then it went a little north. And then it started coming back over. And then it went a little north. And eventually, we all know uh, that it hit and did great damage. Uh, wind, at least in this this area, maybe not as much as some in the past, but the water was just uh, unbelievable, unbelievable and devastated homes. We have many folks uh, in our church here that were devastated uh, by that. Um, Pastor Bill, myself, uh, really our staff members, uh, Gospel Baptist Church was really unaffected by it. Uh, But there are some folks who really lost everything. They left their home to go seek shelter somewhere else, came back and have had nothing. Others, they waited there and literally uh, just barely held on to their own lives during the storm. And uh, we're grateful that, to our knowledge, no one from Gospel Baptist Church or associated with us really in any way lost their life during that hurricane. Um, I looked up this morning. There was at least 119 deaths so far, and I'm sure that number is going to uh, increase as they uh, eventually just won't won't find some folks. Um, And it really, at least for me, it grabbed my perspective. The hurricane grabbed my perspective. Last hurricane, Irma, I think it was 2017, if I have that right, it grabbed my perspective and grabbed my thoughts and helped me focus a little bit more on eternal things. Today, I want to speak to you on there is more to life There is more to life. And for many people uh, in our church, in our community, their lives change forever. You know, things that they hold, held dear, possessions, um, you know, aren't there anymore. And it, it is definitely, definitely devastating. But be encouraged, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. It consists of other, of other things. As we look into this parable and this lesson that Jesus was teaching during this time, I want to focus on this rich man in particular. There's two stories that surround uh, what happened, uh, one real one and then one a parable. And I think we can gain some valuable truths to help us uh, gather some perspective, perspective uh, on life for sure. And so I want to continue to read, if we could, down in verse uh, 16. We've heard this parable many, many times. And it says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up. For many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be married. Something I want to notice about this man is, is we can gain something right at the surface. He was 
selfish. He was self-centered. How do we know that? Well, just by the language that he uses uh, during this a conversation, if you will, the thoughts that are going on in his mind. Six times I counted, he says the word I, I, I. Be careful, by the way, if you're always using the word I, if you're always talking about yourself. It's a terrible quality, by the way. We all have to catch ourselves doing it. It's just a side note. Uh, but it's not good, not good. He says, I, five times, he says, my, he says, my fruits, my barns, my fruits, my goods, my soul. He was very, very concerned with himself, with me, myself, and I. And he was so selfish and so, and had so much greed that he could not be satisfied with the things that he already possessed which Jesus says here were already great, and he already had a lot. A couple quotes here that I have is, he who is not content with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. Very true. Another one that I heard uh, from someone I can't remember is, uh, he that is not content with little will not be content with that which is much. Harry Truman, former president, said, Selfishness and greed, individual or national, cause most of our troubles. What led up to this conversation that Jesus was having and what led up to his, um, his parable here was there was a, a brother in the previous verse, verse 14, if I have it correctly, verse 14, he, a uh, brother came and said, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. The problem was the brother was consumed with greed. He wasn't satisfied with what he had and wanted what his brother had. There's no details given as to was it justly divided? Did the man, uh, did that one brother really deserve what was being owed? Uh, you can go look back throughout Jewish history and, and see that that man, uh, there was other avenues that he was supposed to go to, governmental, and then he could have went to the, to the rabbi and they would have settled all things out. But instead he goes right to Jesus and imagine, he has, he has the ear of God right at that moment. And what does he ask? For something just material. Something to just add to the stuff that he already has. And Jesus was not having it at that moment. So often we get the same, we become the same way. I catch myself in my prayers from time to time asking God for things that I don't need, just things that I want. Aren't we all probably guilty of that to some, to some degree? Instead of being satisfied with the gifts and things and the life that God's given me, I look at other people's stuff, and I look at my neighbor's stuff, and I look at my friend's things and say, man, God, it'd be really nice to have that kind of stuff they got. I don't think God is too pleased with us when, pleased with us when we do that. Young adults today are in bad bad, bad financial trouble. Maybe now more than ever. Credit has made it very easy for really just about anybody to go out and get a loan and buy whatever they want to buy. Put it on a payment plan and you would be shocked. I'm not sure if you know, but you would be shocked if, if I told you or could go through all the things that young people my age spend every month that are just on a payment plan. They'd rather put it on a payment plan than just save up and buy it outright. Why do they do that? Why can't they just spend the money that they have 
I'm not, I'm not negating and saying don't ever borrow money, don't ever take out a mortgage, but you ought not to be upside down. We'd agree on that. You ought not to have, you ought to have the assets behind it so that you don't get it upside down. But we're talking about people who are just consumed with greed and coveting that they extend themselves far beyond what they're capable of. And it's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to do, not being satisfied with what God has already given us. Most of it, by the way, is not necessity. It's purely just for outright out of greed. I would venture to say almost none of it is necessity. We look at what the neighbor's driving. We look at what our uh, famous uh, you know, athletes are driving. We look at the people uh, that catch our eye. We say, oh, we want to drive one like that so people view me a certain way because with material possessions, in our mind, come power. And we're convinced of that. Some of it is just keeping up with the Joneses, if you're familiar with that term. I heard one statistic while I was preparing for this that most doctors are living paycheck to paycheck. Isn't that unbelievable? Now, I, you know, I wouldn't assume that of our Dr. Crabb, and I wouldn't assume that of our Dr. Bailey. I don't think he's here with us today. I wouldn't assume that because I know him. But many doctors, and someone else uh, told me that uh, works with, oh, you know, it was Abdiel Marin. He does a lot of, uh, he has an eye software program and uh, a company, and he does a lot of work with doctors and physicians and things. And he told me that doctors are some of the poorest people that he knows. I'm like, what? When we think of doctor, we think, oh, man, they got it. They got it made. Not the case. And as I was looking, there was article after article after article after article on the internet about how to stop the cycle of doctors living paycheck to paycheck or doctors going broke. And what happens is, is they get money and instead of, uh, you know, they buy a house, but hey, whenever they get a raise, get more income, they go and they upgrade and they upgrade and they upgrade until they're really living paycheck to paycheck. So many people fall into this category of not being satisfied with the things that they have. And I'm going to say it's not just them, it's us as well. It's me. I remember as a, a 16-year-old kid, actually I can, I can go back and tell you this, this is always back when I was 11 or 12 years old, I had a friend in uh, school and his father owned a Jeep Wrangler. Many of you know that I own a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> he had a Jeep Wrangler. And I remember as an 11 or 12-year-old kid, I would go over to his house and the dad would give us rides around the neighborhood or go, and he had a red two-door soft top Jeep Wrangler. And he'd take the, yeah, a stick shift. You got that right. A stick shift Jeep Wrangler that he would take us around and He'd take the doors off, take top down. I mean, it was just an awesome experience. And ever since then, I mean, I lived, I dreamed, I breathed. I just wanted one so bad. And even from then, I mean, I was always keeping up on, keeping up on them. And so when I uh, got my driver's license, I had a car. I had a car. I wasn't, uh, I didn't have the means yet to buy, to buy the car that I wanted, but I wanted that car, that Jeep more than just about anything. Sounds silly, I know, but uh, about a year after I had my driver's license came an opportunity to get it. And I thought, this is, I'm going to be satisfied. 
I'm going to be totally satisfied once I get this. And I got it, and it was awesome. I mean, the coolest kid in school for a little while because nobody else had new. They were all driving like junky cars at this time. I mean, it was, it was pretty new. It was only a year or so old, and it was cool. But, you know, time, not a lot, a lot of time passed before. And by the way, I got the same exact vehicle, two-door, soft top, red, stick shift, exactly. I was not satisfied with it after a while. My eyes began to wander onto something else. It was a great vehicle, never broke down on me, never had any trouble, but I wasn't content with what I had. Kept wanting to look. And so it comes on all different levels. For some of you, that's like nothing. Some of you have owned hundreds of cars almost. You talk to Robert Jensen, he's owned like every make and model of a car you could possibly own. For him, that's like nothing. But, you know, for me, that's a big deal. So, so this idea of coveting comes on all different levels. It affects the poor. It affects the rich. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul the Apostle was writing that from a prison. He's saying, I have learned to be content in whatsoever state I am. How is that possible? Phenomenal Christian, greatly in tune with God. He's sitting there and and didn't have cable TV like a lot of our prisoners have. Didn't have recess, rec time like a lot of our prisoners have. Didn't have all the, you know, amenities that they get to experience. I mean, we're talking about a rat infested, sewage infested. You go back and look in history, you can read all about what the the uh, circumstances that they think Paul uh, was in when he was in prison. It was terrible. And he says, I'm learned to be content. Wow. Lesson to be learned there for sure. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things that ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. What prompted the idea for this sermon was was, uh, remembering, thinking about Ian, the Hurricane Ian, but also remembering back to Hurricane Irma. And I remember during Hurricane Irma, uh, was my first hurricane down here uh, in Florida. And I remember packing away my stuff like a madman before it came. I remember trying to seal everything up. And I mean, you know, I was covering everything up, you know, in case the roof flew off and water came in and destroyed, rainwater came in. I was on a two-story level at that time. But I remember being really concerned about my stuff. And if you... I mean, that was five years ago. I didn't have much stuff. I mean, most of the stuff people gave me and I don't... I guess I was happy with it, I guess. I, I didn't know any better. But I was really trying to, you know, protect that stuff and really, really uh, concerned about it and down to things like my TV. And I just, I, I think we're naturally programmed that way and there's nothing wrong with protecting the things God has given you. But for me at that moment, it was beyond just, uh, I did not want to lose it. I'm just being honest. I didn't want to lose it, didn't want to risk it. Uh, And after it was over, it was almost like God spoke to me and said, hey, you're off balanced. You're off balanced in this area. And so when Ian came and uh, some of our folks uh, lost lost a lot of their stuff, it's it's, uh, given me maybe a little bit of perspective, not that I have any idea what those folks are going through, uh, but brought those thoughts back up in my mind to be balanced, not to be consumed with covetousness and not to be consumed with greed, which goes back to being selfish and self-centered. Second thing I noticed about him is that he was proud. He was proud. He said, I, I, I. He was proud. Nowhere in there 
did he give God any credit at all for his circumstance. There was no thought of God whatsoever. He was saying, this is my stuff. I was talking with Jim not a few years ago, and we eat lunch together, usually on Wednesdays. I remember one Wednesday specifically, we were down at Enrico's, and I remember where it was, and you said a statement to me that has stuck with me, and you said, everybody rents, nobody owns. He's in the real estate business, and he says, everybody rents, nobody owns. Now, I'm myself, Pastor Bill, we're big proponents of owning place and you know building equity and all those things. Maybe there's some instance instances where renting may be beneficial, but uh, generally we like to own, own property. Many of you do own property. But when you think about it, everybody rents, nobody owns. How do we know that? Because it's not going to be ours to keep forever. We can put a facade up in our mind and convince ourselves that it is our stuff, but really it is not. It's just passing through our hands at this moment. Whether you own, whether you rent, really, in the big picture, we're just, we're just renting. God, uh, verse 20, it says, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Other people are going to come in and going to take his stuff and, you know, all the hard work that he's put into, you know, building up his barns and his house and his stuff is going to be probably torn down, maybe property sold to somebody else. Who knows? But it's not going to be his. And the problem for the rich man, let me say this, is not the fact that he had wealth. That was not his problem. The problem with the rich man was that he was proud, he was ungrateful to God, and he gave no thought to God. Nothing wrong with with wealth, because where does wealth come from? A couple verses, 1 Samuel 2, 7 says, The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and he lifteth up. Wealth comes from God. If you have wealth today, it's not from your own doing. God has allowed you to accumulate that wealth. And if you're poor this morning, if you're poor this morning, and I know we could get all into the nitty-gritty technical, reap what you sow, yes, but I'm talking about generally people who are living right, living for God, um, haven't made a bunch of poor decisions to get them to the place. I'm talking about people living right for God. And if you're poor, God has allowed you to be poor. And be content whether you're poor, whether you're rich. Ecclesiastes 4.19 says, Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth, riches come from God. The farmer should not be so ignorant to think that when his crops grow up, look at what I have done. Because all he did was take a seed and put it in the ground and added some water to it. Who made that seed open up and the sprout come up out of the ground and turn into a plant that produced you know, food and goods? Who did that? God. When a doctor comes in and he cuts you open, puts that new knee in there, closes it up and sews it up, Who's doing, who, who actually makes that thing heal? The doctor? The antibiotics? No, God. We ought not be so foolish that we think the possessions that we have in our life have anything to do with just us and us alone. I've had the opportunity to talk to a few rich people, and I appreciate the good Christian folks who are wealthy, who usually when I talk to them and I say, oh man, that's a really nice something that you have, they say, oh, you know, God's given all this to me. 
Wow, what a great perspective. Someone had a, you know, one of our members has a, has a, you know, a few of our members, I should say, have, have some decent sized houses. And I remember one time saying, hey, could we have a get together over at your house? You know, something for the church. They said, absolutely. I told God when we built this house, anything, anything that God wants to use this house for his honor, glory, do it. We're doing it. What a great perspective. That's the perspective God is looking for. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, it's all God's. And by the way, aren't we all rich? Let's say that. Aren't we all rich? And I'm not just talking about the richness that we have in Christ Jesus. I'm talking right now at this moment, just the riches that we have materially. Many of us don't understand poor. Some, some of you had maybe parents that went through uh, the depression and things, and uh, they understood poor. But, I mean, the last, you know, 30, 40 years, the majority of us has, have never experienced true, true poverty. Some of you have had the opportunity to go to Haiti, other places around the world, and see folks who really struggle day in and day out just for food. Here in America, we think that you're poor if you don't have air conditioning. I just heard, I just heard my, uh, Heather really encouraged me. Thanks, Heather. Before I came up to preach, she says, oh, by the way, uh, when I left the house, we didn't have power. <laughs> I'm poor. No, who knows? They are, they must be turning on to fix it. Thomas, did you get yours back on? Oh, okay. His, he had his for three, four days and he shut it off. And I've had mine for a week and a half and now it's off again. Oh, well, we'll see what happens. But we feel bad and think somebody's poor, not forever. You know how long people have lived in this world without air conditioning? I mean, I can't tell you the last time that someone has come by Gospel Baptist Church. Now, maybe it's the area, but uh, the area that we live in. I cannot tell you the last time somebody has come by Gospel Baptist Church and told me, Pastor Chris, I don't have any food to eat. My family has no food. To my knowledge, I can't remember that happening one time in seven years. We're rich. We are absolutely rich. For us, it's not if we're going to eat, it's what we're going to eat. It's not if we have a car, it's, hey, what kind of car, what brand am I going to buy? Man, we are spoiled rotten. We are spoiled rotten. Well, this man, he was selfish, self-centered, he was proud. Also, he had tunnel vision, tunnel vision. Couldn't see God in his plans whatsoever. He says in verse 19, I will... Take, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He was banking on time that he did not have. James chapter 4, many of you know that verse. I won't read it for time's sake, uh, but it says, For we know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor, appeareth for a little time, and vanisheth away. Somebody that recently went through a tragedy told me, and I, you know, honestly, I cannot even remember what it was, but I remember the statement. And they, I can't remember what tragic, I can't even remember who, who it was, but they said, this kind of thing happens to other people, not to me. Tragedy, that's, is, it, this is a tragedy that you hear about on the news. This is a tragedy that you hear about a, a, a distant relative far away. This is a tragedy that you hear somebody else, that somebody else experiences, but not something that I experience. How many of those do we have? We say, oh, that's other people. Other people go through that. I don't until one day we do. Many of you had sicknesses and illnesses and maybe cancer and thought, no, that, that's other people have cancer, not me. And God says, well, I had, I had other plans. 
God's plans are different than our plans. He says, God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose things? Uh, then shall those things be which thou hast provided. And isn't it amazing how quickly our lives can change? Before Ian, we were going around just doing our normal business here at the church, uh, working, visiting folks, you know, preaching, teaching, Awana, bus ministry. We got the brakes put on. Life changes quickly. Just again, I just said, I, I, you know, great, air conditioning, power, <laughs> gone. No ways, things change quickly. I remember uh, a year or so ago, I was driving down the road, and there was this Jeep, a Jeep Wrangler, caught my eye, but this one really caught my eye because it was totally smashed up. It was a four-door look. I mean, it looked like it went through a demolition derby. Crunched all up, coming down 41. Um, and it was so bad, I took a picture of it because I couldn't believe how bad it was. Pastor Bill calls me an hour later and he says, oh my goodness, there was a terrible wreck out on East Corkscrew where I live. And he says, there was this Jeep, and it was the same Jeep. He said, there was this Jeep, this guy was driving, uh, something happened with another dump truck and you know, ended up you know, getting hit head on and, and killed the guy. He was a young guy. He had four kids. This was just on a Saturday. I think, I, I bet he had plans about what he was going to do for lunch. I bet he had plans about where he was going to go for dinner with his family. I bet they had maybe something fun planned that they were going to do. I bet he had the next year or two planned out. How quickly life can change. And I would hate for life to change for me unexpectedly and maybe my life coming to an end and it comes to an end like this man did, focusing on the wrong things instead of on the internal things that God has for us. It'd be a shame. The correct outlook on life is not my goals, my ambitions, my plans. But as James 14 says, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. If you've been around church a long time, you've heard the saying, um, Lord willing. A lot of times I ask the men uh, going around after church, say, who's going to be at men's breakfast tomorrow? You coming tomorrow? I'll be there. Lord willing. That's the right perspective. We say that, but that's where it comes from if you never knew. James uh, chapter four, the right perspective. The man was rich, but he was eternally broke. Eternally broke. Verse 21 says, not rich towards God. And I feel sorry sometimes for the super wealthy, Warren Buffett, uh, a few that I, Grant Cardone, Gary Vee, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, you name it. I feel sorry for them because they believe that they're rich, but really they are severely broke. They think that they have it all, but really, truly, they have nothing because they do not have Christ in their life. They have the illusion that they're wealth, but they are not. I've never, I've seen quite a few people on their deathbeds and very close to death, and not one of them has ever come to me and cared anything about the money that they had. Not one of them has ever cared about the boat they owned or about the car that they were gonna drive. Not one. What do they care about? Kids, their family, maybe friends. And the ones that are Christians, they care that they live their life for Christ. 
Those are the things that are going to matter the most. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. And may I add, and where Hurricane Ian comes and rips it apart. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break in nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's not wrong to have all that stuff. And I'm deeply saddened for those people who lost uh, a lot of material wealth uh, during Hurricane Ian. May we have the perspective of gaining heavenly treasure. How do we know where if we are accumulating treasure in heaven? Find out where your heart is. Find out where your heart is. Where is your heart? It's going to be where your treasure is. You're going to find it real quick. Brother Paul Chilson, I can tell you where his heart is. Your heart is with that fifth grade class that, you're, that God has you teach over there at Pine Woods Elementary. How do I know? Well, I can see it in this conversation. And when I see uh, him on Facebook and his heart breaking for his young people, that God's allowing to minister. And a lot of them lived in, you know, little mobile home trailer parks, totally destroyed. That's where your heart is. That's where your treasure is. Our bus captains, I, I mentioned today in bus meeting that they were, that I, I'm so grateful to God that we don't have to coax them into riding the bus. They do it. Why do they get on the bus? Because their heart's on the bus. Thankful for Awana workers who their heart is in their ministry. For our Christian school teachers who I don't know why anybody would want to teach school. But it's where their heart is. And it's where their treasure is being exactly in the place where God wants them to be. Do you have treasure in heaven? Well, first off, you need to have a relationship with God. Know that sin has severed our relationship with God, but thanks be to God who give us salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who has made a way that we can have that relationship restored by the forgiveness of sins and his shed blood. Then we must seek God's kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And then follow his direction. Each one of us in here has, we're different people. God's given, given us different personalities different characteristics. He's given us different circumstances, but we all must find what God's special will is for our life and run at it with full force. Don't be distracted by the riches and the wealth because that's all going to fade. Lay up treasure in heaven. And I'll finish with this. Be rich towards God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity uh, to come and hear the preaching of your word. Uh, This message was for me this morning. Really, uh, not for anybody else. This was for me. Thank you for speaking in my heart through it. Uh, help me to gain that proper perspective about uh, what's, what's really important in life and what's not. We're so thankful for your protection over our church family uh, throughout the hurricane here. Uh, help us as we try to minister to our folks as well as minister to those in our community uh, who have lost so much. May each individual in here uh, gain that perspective and uh, move forward toward laying up treasure in heaven and being rich towards God. May you help us to do it. Convict us when we don't. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.